So the time has come. No Man's Sky is upon us, and we're going to dedicate the next couple of episodes to No Man's Sky. I think everybody expected that. If anyone's been following me and Federico for long enough, it's basically the only thing we've spoken about on video game podcasts for the last couple of years. And especially since we brought the man himself, Shaheen, onto the show, it's become even more important. And if you don't know this already, you'll find out during the course of this discussion. Um, We're going to provide a kind of, I guess, a review and thoughts and feelings about the game in our next episode, which comes out towards the end of the month, so in a couple of weeks' time. Because we have, a, I think, a more important thing to do that nobody else can do, which is to talk about the story of how and why No Man's Sky is here. And we have the perfect man to talk to about this. And it is Shahid. So in case anybody doesn't know and to catch them up, why are you a good person to tell this story? And then how did you first find out about No Man's Sky? Well, I was working at PlayStation's developer relations Back in 2005 through till about 2010, 2011, before I switched gears and moved into another area. And as part of my developer relations job, it was my job to onboard new competent developers onto PlayStation. At the time, it was PS3 primarily. You know, that was our thing. And so the developers that I was helping to onboard, so to speak, if you'll pardon the jargon, were going to be developing games for the PS3. And, of course, there wasn't a massive independent development scene on PS3, as you know, certainly not for the majority of the life of that console. And so it kind of put off a lot of the developers that we eventually did court quite heavily. And really, many of the developers that we had coming to us were large, established, had excellent publisher relations. And as a result, it was a straightforward issue to to bring them into the PlayStation family. Sometimes, though, you'd get a real gem. And this was certainly the case for Hello Games. They visited me one day. I'm struggling to remember when because... I've been going through my notes and I don't actually, believe it or not, have a note for the exact date when they came round. But it probably wasn't that important on that day. No, it wasn't. Well, here's the interesting thing. I I remember the meeting vividly. It was something like 2008, 2009. And uh, a few of them turned up. And what I remember about that meeting was just how serious and credible Sean Murray was. He struck me immediately. You know, you get a feeling about certain people. And I said this at the time. um, I'm not one for hiding my feelings. So I actually told him at the time, I think you're a really serious, incredible developer. And I'm really looking forward to welcoming you to PlayStation or whatever corporate drivel I used to come out with at the time because it's all very very corporate it was probably something along the lines of welcoming you into the PlayStation family let's be honest it was definitely something along those lines but you've got a recording haven't you (laughs) (laughs) it was some some nonsense like that I mean it was really corporate so I I said whatever the corporate equivalent uh was of I think you guys are really cool and it'll be no problem at all getting you on board so we did. You know, we got them on board, got them signed up. Um, 
as I say, Sean came across as incredibly serious and very credible. When you say serious, do you mean that he was just a serious person in demeanor or like really was like this meant a lot to him? It meant it wasn't just that it meant a lot to him, though that was really clear at the time. It was that you could tell that he was not in this for a laugh. He was doing this because it meant, yeah, you're right. I mean, he was very serious about his craft and he still is extraordinarily serious about his craft. You know, you have to remember, he's come from EA. Um, you know, he's he's worked on uh, Burnout on PS2. You know, he he was a technical director on Black. So these are uh, Black. This is, I think, two of the most high quality uh, PS2 hardware abusing games we've ever seen. And the PS2 was a beast to program. And for you to be a technical director on those two titles which I think he wasn't both. He certainly wasn't black. Maybe he was a lead on Burnout too. Whatever. It takes extraordinarily skill because the PS2 was a pig to program. And unless you were a hardcore assembler programmer getting down to those vector units, you didn't have a clue. So here's a guy, right, who's got the most amazing CV and he has left all of that behind and he set up a new team with some... Uh, you know, with a very small team, we're talking about four people at the time, and I'm thinking, okay, I don't know what you're going to do. You seem a bit small. I haven't said this, by the way. You know, I'm, this is what I'm thinking. I don't know what you're going to do. You seem a bit small, given the kind of de- large developers we were dealing with. But given your track record and given how seriously you've taken this meeting and how you come across, you're going places, mate. That's that was my impression. I I vividly remember that meeting to this day, um, and it, it had a profound effect on me. I knew from that first meeting that this was going to be a successful developer. I had no idea just how successful, but I knew they were going to be successful. So that that's how it began. And at this point, they were, I guess, beginning to start work on Joe Danger. Exactly. So they didn't pitch it at the time. I went to their office, had a look, saw what they were up to. Um, you know, Sean took me to lunch and we talked about his plans. And, you know, for someone who had the track record that he did, you knew that he was going to measure workload carefully. So their aim with Joe Danger, and he was very clear about this in his office, was to create something enjoyable with a kind of fun feel of a, a mini Mario type game you know, mini Mario Kart style game, but something that four people could do and could do a really good job of. In other words, he wasn't overshooting. He wasn't uh, overambitious about what he thought that the team could achieve. Nonetheless, he wanted to make a small, uh, polished game for digital release. That was the ambition. So when they got to a point where I could see what was up and running, uh, I offered to refer them to uh sony computer entertainment america at the times pub fund and pub fund was a program where a really good qualified developer who passed through certain criteria in scea would be told that uh when when you get to launch you'll be advanced some sales money at that point so it wasn't development funding but if you had this pub fund deal what you could do is go to a bank and say look this is a guarantee that when my game comes out, 
this is the money that will be advanced to me. So can you loan me money against this? So that was very valuable to them at the time. Um, I'm not sure how that worked out for Sean financially in terms of it being paid at the back end. But what I do know is they made their money back pretty much instantly on Joe Danger. It was a quality title. I was very happy with the results. You know, it came out in, I think, 2010, if I'm not mistaken. And it did really, really well. It was it was one of the top-selling digital titles at the time and compared very favourably to some of the top titles in the entire store, which, you know, which wasn't as huge as it is today, obviously. But nonetheless, for them, given that there were only four people, meant commercial success and therefore survival to work on the thing that they really wanted to work on. Yeah, because Joe Danger had a long life. I came to the game uh, on iOS first. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I later picked it up and played it on Vita uh, because I, I loved the game. But yeah, I first came to Joe Danger on iOS, I think. Right. Great. And you know, they made, they made a nice tailored version, didn't they, for iOS? It was perfect for that platform. Mm. Mm. I've played games that have clearly been inspired by it since. Yeah. You know, and it's fantastic. It, it, you know, it's like Excite Bike, right? Like that's kind of, I guess, yeah, the yeah. roots of that game. And, and so it, it worked very well. So at this point, you have a good relationship with them. You've helped them through a couple of revisions of the game, I'm sure. Um, at what point did you first find out about No Man's Sky? What happened was that they they went away and did, I think, uh, Joe Danger the movie with Microsoft for their Xbox Live Arcade thing. And they did fairly well out of that. Uh, but then what happened was I reached out to sean can i ask quickly when when you see a developer do something like that yeah how does that feel it's business you just see it as like that it's like okay they offered them more money to do this special version of the game like we'll get them next time they've got to survive right some people take it personally um but i had a great teacher i worked for uh tony clark who is one of the best managers in I don't know. I hesitate to say video games industry because his management skills go way beyond just confining them to the video games industry. He was an amazing teacher and he would help me to look at things with a really broad perspective. And and so by 2010, 2011, I stopped taking things personally. 2012, certainly when I was actively under Tony's management, uh, I was heavily influenced by style. And so maybe if you'd asked me this question in 2005, I would have given you a politically correct answer, but inside I would have been seething. You'd be like, F those guys. Right, right. Inside I would have been seething, but I would have given them the professional front, right? But the difference now is, given the experience I have, it's business. It's as you say, you know, it it wasn't the right time. It, It wasn't to be, it wasn't right for them, wasn't right for us. It's fine. You know, there are plenty of other people we can work with. And, you know, if, it, if things had really been that good, we would have stuck it out and it would have been fine. So I really didn't take it personally. It didn't bother me in the slightest. We got the right deal. Um, and then when I approached Sean, because I had that attitude, um, it was very straightforward for us to continue mm-hmm. because I, there was no resentment. Obviously, there was no bitterness, none of that. Absolutely none. And so, listen, we'd really love to see Joe Danger on Vita. We think it'd be perfect on Vita. You remember I had to do the whole Vita thing. And, and 
Joe Danger. This amazing platform that we have here. It's going to last forever. You should come <laughs> come to that one. <laughs> oh. That's pretty much that, you know. Yeah. Um, now, I, I don't remember how I sold the Vita to him, but I did say this would be the perfect platform for uh, Joe Danger. And you know what? We'll de-risk it for you. Don't worry. And so we did that deal. And then a little bit later, you know, I started to get more of the PS4 load. Um, my bosses were asking for PS4 stuff, you know, for the launch window. So I reached out to Sean. Um, I dug out the email recently, actually, I, because I sent it uh, like Hillary Clinton from my personal account. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> something along the lines of what could you have ready for the f- first quarter of 2014? Um, and he came back with, well, you know, we've got something really special, but we're still working on it and we'll get back to you. And I just didn't stop pestering him, basically. Look, I know you're working on something special because the thing is, at the end of Joe Danger 1, we had a lunch again in Guildford and he told me that you wanted to make something amazing. And he was convinced that a small team could compete in some way, not in every way, but in some way with the biggest players, if they placed their chips carefully. Um, And he was very, that wasn't the metaphor he used, but that was a message I got, that if you're a small team, if you're very clever about how you build something, then you can compete, not on all of the terms of a AAA, but certainly on, on some aspects that would allow you to share the stage. So that was a message I was getting, but, you know, it's such a vague discussion, you know. It was just... That was just a theory. And here I was pushing him for what are you actually working on? Because we knew he's working on this thing called Project Skyscraper. And then he told me about it and he said, this is what Project Skyscraper actually means. He explained it all to me once we'd had a meeting about No Man's Sky. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. What happened then was, and this, this story is, I think, pretty much on the record, is he sent me an email. And my memory failed me because I remember incorrectly that uh, he emailed me before he set off for the US but what actually happened was he emailed me from his hotel in I believe San Francisco just before he was about to start 48 hours of press now you know what the man is like he's just relentless and when he goes on a mission that's it he's incommunicado for quite some time that's Sean and I was prepared. I was always prepared to work with that. I did not have an issue with it. Many people would have slashed their wrists uh, because he could be very, very hard to get hold of. But you had to understand him. And this is the thing that I deeply respect about him. There are people out there, right, who talk about productivity and they say you have to ruthlessly prioritize. Um, and that means not necessarily replying to people if they contact you. And then those people kind of feel... They, they take that personally, you know. So-and-so hasn't got back to me. I'm not working with them. Well, you can't be like that. If someone is really on top of their game, you know that their time is very valuable. They're only going to be focusing on a few things at a time. Try and work out what they're thinking of, what they're focusing on them so much. And I knew that Sean would be utterly focused on the press stuff and that it would take him some time to get back. What press was this for? This was for the VGX reveal right. of No Man's Sky. The first time it went gangbusters so this was the reveal that jeff Keeley kind of convinced sean to do and it was maybe a little bit early but they went with it anyway yeah so sean was super nervous 
And you told me he was super nervous in his email. So at this point, No Man's Sky has no publisher. Has no publisher. They've been working on it in secret for 18 months. Four of them. They haven't even t- uh, shown the rest of the team. Yeah, so this is something where, like, how big is how big is Hello Games at this point as a team? About ten, eight, ten people. Right, so he's sequestered about half of the team to go and work on this secret project. Yep, just under half, yeah. And that's what they've been working on, you know? They've been, they, they've been working on this for 18 months without even telling half of the team. So what did he email you? What did he say? Um, he said something along the lines of he's super nervous about this. He's just about to do uh, two days of press in San Francisco. He's just about to show this at VGX. And uh, he, want, he wanted to reach out to me. He said this is the first time this has been shown um, outside of Hello Games. And I would really love to get your take on this. So basically, as soon as I saw the video... I, I almost cried. I had tears in my eyes. So when did you see the video? Did you see it At before? Home. So you saw it before the, the, yep. the VGX reveal? Yep. I saw it before the VGX reveal. So I knew how big it's going to be. What did you do after you saw it? I, I started sending him a flurry of text messages and emails. I tried to call him. I tried to message him. I tried so from to your perspective him. at this point, you're just like, I need to sign this, right? Yes. Okay. That's it. Well, well the, what I was thinking then wasn't so much signing as... This has to be on PS4. Yeah. What do you need to make that happen? Because also as well, was. with you being the great employee that you are at that point, you kn- you're very, I guess, confident that Microsoft haven't seen this. So you know your window of time is very small but very important, right? Well, I didn't know. I mean, you know, if you're a business, right? Maybe, maybe if you... If you know you, if you're a small business, you know you've got something really special. Maybe you do want to show it to a couple of people. I reckon I had maybe three days at best. Maybe four. Sorry, three or four days. Okay, but yeah. but at this point, you know you've at least got a window of opportunity to convince him that you're yeah. the right place. I so, think so in this scenario, you're kind of going ahead with this without the backing or knowledge of this outside of just you at Sony, right? Like, but you, I guess with the way that it works, because you know, I don't know how these things work, you, you know you have budgets or, or whatever and you feel that you'd be able to get this no problem. We didn't have the budget. Right. All, see, I wasn't discussing budgets at this point. At this point, my focus was to convince Sean that PS4 was the best place for this game. Right. And all I wanted to know from Sean was... What do you need? Name your price. And the price didn't have to be a monetary figure. It, it's a package. Whatever resources, exactly. whatever anything. press, anything. Yeah. Yep. You tell me what you want to make this happen for PS4, and I will get to work on it. So, you know, here, here's the thing. It wasn't my job necessarily to do that, but I stopped being a jobs worth in 2011, you know? I knew this would have been really massively valuable for PS4. But again, I'm jumping ahead of myself. The thing is, I saw this thing, right? And it was all my dreams of video games come true. It was such an emotional experience, I cannot tell you. And yet, if you look back at it now, there's not an awful lot in that original video, is there? Well, only because we've seen it since. Because it was all anyone was talking about. Like, this is true. The idea, and I mean, I remember uh, the way that me and Federico were talking about it at the time, which was this trailer was surrounded by other trailers of grey environments with Americans killing terrorists. 
that's what it was surrounded by. That's right. what all the other games were. But yeah. here is this game where there's nobody shooting each other. There's no other people. The grass is purple and the sky <laughs> is green. Like color like that doesn't exist in video games anymore it's gray yeah, and it's yeah. futuristic but futuristic in a warfare sense we didn't have anything like this i mean we still don't no man's sky is the only one but that's how i remember feeling about this game was like i want to be in that world instead of fighting in a gritty terrible post-apocalyptic sense of my own yeah you totally totally nailed it the way i saw it was i grew up reading asimov and i used to spend hours in the science fiction bookshop in st anne's court in soho as a kid i mean i was what nine ten eleven and and i'd go there regularly with my dad and i'd just spend hours in there and that was my world you know i would get lost there i i grew up really really unwell really bullied in a really dark place i mean i i came close to dying several times um i was extremely unhappy extremely depressed and i didn't even know it but you know what kept me going science fiction kept me going those books kept me going those covers gave me hope i wanted to be an astronaut i i expected i fully expected jetpacks i still want my damn jetpacks baby i mean where are they right so i I was looking at these things thinking, you know what, 20, 30 years from now, this will be reality. <laughs> I'll be able to get into a ship, man, and I'll just be able to take off and see an alien sunset. And when I saw this, this was my dreams of that dark childhood realized. The hope, the vision, the optimism, the beauty, the wonder, the frontier that we've lost in this world because we've seen it all. You know, we're so blasé. And as you say, we're so occupied in, in the gritty world, in in a, a kind of alternate universe in which science fiction only ever became bleak. This episode of Remaster is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code insertcoin at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you. Because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. With Squarespace, you'll be able to build a site that looks professionally designed, regardless of your skill level, with no coding experience required. They have state-of-the-art technology to power your site, they ensure security and stability, and they give you all of the tools that you need to make your site look and feel exactly how you want. They have beautiful templates that all feature responsive design to make sure that your site looks great on all sizes of device. These are just some of the reasons why Squarespace are trusted by over millions of people around the world. They have 24-7 support, a commerce platform, their own cover page system, and rock-solid fast hosting. If you want to stretch Squarespace even further, you can do that with their dev platform, and if you sign up for a year, you'll get yourself a free domain name as well. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month, and you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required, and start building your own website straight away by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use the code insertcoin at checkout, you'll get 10 percent of your first purchase and show your support for remaster thank you to squarespace for their support of this show and relay fm so you've seen this trailer you've sent a flurry of text messages 
how did it end up being that No Man's Sky found its way to Sony? After the flurry, Sean eventually got back to me uh, and said that I would hear from his lawyer. (laughs) So knowing his lawyer, who's a lovely guy, by the way, um, tough negotiator, but lovely guy. uh, We had, I think it was December, and he and I uh, had a phone call where I had to leave our our office Christmas party to step out into the cold December evening and have an excited half an hour call with him about potentially moving this forward with PlayStation. You've got to remember at this point, I don't have huge budgets. I have no authority to conduct a deal. So all I can do is take down their demands Mm -hmm. and then hopefully present it in some way to executive management. So I assume inside of Sony at this point, everyone is interested or knows about this game because of the public unveiling. Correct. Okay. And, you know, I'm getting emails. And they know you're, you're, they know you're the one for this, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're saying, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And I'm saying, guys, don't worry. You know, I'm on it. <laughs> I'm on this. I'm on this. And I've been on this for a while. And so from that point, because it was going to be such a big deal, well out of the scope of the kind of deals that I'd been doing, it had to go through a much more convoluted management chain to get approval. Why was it going to be a bigger deal at that time, though? Because what Sean wanted for it right, okay. was to be able to place it alongside, you know, pretty much AAA he wasn't calling it a triple A game, but he said he wants this to have a similar impact. And you know what? I totally, totally expected that could happen. There was not a moment when I doubted that that could happen. But he, he was making the demands that an EA might make for a game. No, no. It was nowhere near that okay. level. Um, but it was I mean, the, the kind of deal that we're talking about. Obviously, I cannot discuss the specifics, but what I can say is that it was um it was not in the same league as the kind of deals i'd been doing up until that point okay whole whole new ballpark it's not the deal that an indie publisher was was going for at the time i right. guess we could say right exactly it's exactly. maybe sitting somewhere in the middle or maybe like a an indie publisher who's on their way to being triple a which i guess we can now see they might be that but at the time nobody knew that well, look at the attention it's got. And you tell me, I mean, you know, I, I know that you're not going to argue against this necessarily. I'm saying that it seems as if Sean was was right. He was know? right. He was he 100% was right. right. Yeah. And, and it, well, it's also like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. If he got you to agree, if he got PlayStation to agree that it was this important, PlayStation would help make it that important. Right, like, because it is a two-way street. Like, he can do the work, but then it's up to then the point of the publisher, I guess, at that point is to help it realize whatever it's going to realize, and that requires marketing. It requires time on stage at E three. You know, all of this stuff had to happen. So at that point, it was everybody was believing that it was going to be a big deal. Is my assumption? Well, I had to get buy-in, and I had to get buy-in globally. Because the deal that was being proposed was 
something that would require every part of the organization to get involved and sit up, take note, and and really take this a lot more seriously than the other uh, so-called indie stuff that we've been working on. So that was really important. But here's the other thing. Given that this had blown up in such a big way, and I, I was at this point uh, on on the communication side with Sean, handling all of that, seeing as I was acting as the point man, the issue for me was, well, who's the best person to be talking about this, to be negotiating it? So what I did was I put a pitch together and said, this is the thing. Um, I think we should do it. Here's why I think we should do it. You know, I put together a case, presented it to the exec management team. And I said, oh, and by the way, uh, I would like to be managing the negotiation, uh, all aspects of the negotiation. And to my incredible surprise, they said, okay. Because this is above your pay grade right now, maybe. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, okay. God, yeah. So what's happened is that up until this point, I've done my job very, very well by all accounts. Um, everyone's pleased with how things have been going. And and so so that's great. But all of a sudden, this is something that takes me way beyond. But here's the other thing, okay? At this point, we're not talking about the phenomenon that it eventually became even within PlayStation. Because, you know, it started off with a few stakeholders, um, the the likes of uh, Adam Boys in SEA. He's uh, He recently left as well, by the way, to go back I, to yeah, being a developer. Yeah, I blame you for that, but that's, maybe that's a story for another <laughs> no, time. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he's, he's a, he was above my pay grade as well. Um, so uh, there was him. There's Michael Patterson, um, who was my boss, um, who's also VP of third-party relations then there was uh actually he wasn't my boss at the time but he was my most recent boss then there was um my management team you know you had nain and shah you had tony above me uh then you had jim ryan at the top you had simon rutter and the uh us obviously you know you had sean Layden and and all of that lot in fact i don't think sean was in charge at the time sean uh came to the forefront later um uh, so it would have been Jack Tretton at the time. But the thing is, they were okay with me handling it at this point, even though we had lots of stakeholders. Because for these big guys, you know, because I was nothing at this point, for these big guys, this is still not the biggest deal. This is not like a Destiny deal or, you know, or a Call of Duty deal. So, all right, it's more than I'm used to handling, but they were okay with me handling it. And it started to get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where eventually... You know, we were talking about doing a disc version. Okay, I want to back up a little bit. How did it get bigger and bigger and bigger? I think the biggest defining moment for No Man's Sky was, after VGX, was E3 2014. Mm-hmm. When when it came up on that stage and, you know, Sean did his job and the media picked up on it. This was probably won. the first time we heard the planets line, right? Like how many planets there were. And, and we got a lot of that kind of information. Yeah. I think that the thing that really shot it to mainstream attention was being on the PlayStation stage at E3 2014. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that was particularly powerful about that was that it wasn't just specialist press picking up on it. It was the mainstream picking up on it. And I think there were over... Over 30 uh, nominations or Game of the Show awards for No Man's Sky at that show. And 
the fact that it was so closely affiliated with PlayStation at the time gave it even more impetus. It felt so like a PlayStation. It just felt like the, a PlayStation yeah, game. So Totally. How did it get to the stage, though? Because going from where you're talking to that amount of time at E3 seems like it had elevated inside of the company as a game of importance. The interesting thing is that the deal had been in discussion for many, many months. And it didn't get finalized until not that long before E3, actually. And in that time, the there was a fair bit of customer pressure about about Hello Games announcing a PS4 version. And the other thing is, we didn't know if there was a bidding war going on, because although we felt like we were first and mm. we were progressing the deal, until it's actually signed, you don't know, do you? Because they I could mean, also be using that for leverage with Microsoft. Of course, yeah. of course. And then, you know, we, we'd we be there with nothing for E3, and that, that would have been, well, not a disaster, because we had plenty of other decent stuff, let's face it, but it would have been a, a sickener if we had not got No Man's Sky At least in the game's E3. press. Um, you know, if we discount the, the 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 more mainstream, I think everybody was looking for where this game would land. How do you, how do you mean where it would land? Well, whose whose stage is it going to be on? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, you know, the other interesting thing is, I really don't know that by until E three twenty fourteen, it wasn't clear that PlayStation would be establishing such a lead of of the order that it did against Xbox One. Yeah, it was that that E3, 2014 E3, was when things really took a turn, I think. And, and it was games like No Man's Sky being shown off, where it was like, okay, so Sony has a bunch of stuff that we've never seen before and a bunch of games that we're super excited about, and Microsoft seemed to have a bunch of sequels. It felt that way. Yeah. It felt like we had at the time a, a much stronger um and not just a stronger offering in the traditional sense but a stronger offering in the sense that we were the ones moving a medium forward and making the bolder decisions and no man's sky i would say was definitely one of those today's episode is also brought to you by igloo work is no longer a location teams can be half a world away. Igloo is a modern intranet designed to keep everyone on the same page. You can share files, have real conversations in real time, and do it all while still being able to use the apps you currently love. Apps like Box, Google Drive, and Skype. Igloo brings everything together and creates a single destination that lets you focus on getting your work done. Put simply, Igloo is an internet you'll actually like. Try it today at igloosoftware.com slash remaster. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show and Relay FM. So it made it to the stage, and at this point, it's obviously it's very, it's become a very important deal. But this is 2014, and the game has just come out in 2016. What were some of the interesting highlights or big challenges that led to the game to, from then to now? Because obviously as well, there were some delays and stuff in there. Uh, what were some of the kind of the big highlights for you? The, the big highlights were getting the deal signed. And this was shortly before E3 2014. A huge highlight for me was E3 2014 itself. 
and all of those awards that the game picked up. Mm -hmm. And then there was a BBC piece where uh, the No Man's Sky story made it to the front of the site for the day of E3. And I got mentioned in there. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about me getting mentioned is not, not to focus on me so much as the way they described me was I seemed like I was just giddy with excitement about about getting No Man's Sky because, you know, let's face it, it was a coup for PlayStation. It was really great for us to have this title and for and for the opposition at that time not to have one. You know, no matter what way you look at it, even though we were all a lot more friendly with the current generation, Microsoft was still the competition. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important to try and establish some kind of lead. So to see that happening in the world press was a great highlight. Another highlight was when um, we signed the physical deal, because, you know, that's that was a brand new deal, by the way. Um, there, there are aspects to it that I, I cannot talk about. So when you say the physical deal, you mean the agreement for it to go from digital only to disc. Exactly. And that's a totally different board game. The logistics... Um, you know, the the sheer amount of company coordination and distribution now and sales now and forecasting now and all of the skills of the organization are brought to bear. Because for people that don't understand it, who's printing them? Is it Sony printing them? Yeah, yeah. It's something that PlayStation has been brilliant at for 20 years is is printing discs and getting them out through its amazing network to the right stores, yep. in the right numbers, getting their forecasts right, um, making sure the stock levels are right. Sony is a machine in that respect. And it's more of a machine, I would say, than any other console manufacturer in the world, simply because it has such incredible presence everywhere. It's not just restricted to a few regions. Mm-hmm. So to watch that machine take over meant for me that, you know, at this point, you have to understand my involvement was nowhere near as much as it was in getting the game in the first place. Yeah. So to watch this machine start to take over, boy, was that sight to behold. Because to me, what that said was, wow, this game really is going to be playing with the big boys now. Because here is the the machinery of the company that is usually used to launch first party games and is being used to launch No Man's Sky. So is this different than to how EA have their discs made? Well, everybody has to have their their discs uh, for console made by the, uh, the, platform, by the platform. But the, the channels that you were working in are channels that are usually reserved for the first-party games. Correct. Okay. So at this point, Sony has kind of taken on a role as like a parent of the game, I guess. It's like Or like an uncle. Right, because the um, game is, is very much Hello Games game because it exists on PC as well. So it's not a console exclusive in that term. But at this point, Sony is doing things that typically it only really does for their own games. For the disc version, certainly. Why is that? That's a great question. And, it's, and the answer is, I think, I could give you the long and boring version but you know i'm not going to bother with that I'll, I'll give you the the straightforward version it's because it was a bloody good game right and it was worth it and sony believed and you believed that it was worth being on disc because it yeah. proved the point and you wanted it to be in stores because that is where 
the game sales are happening, right? Correct. And the other other reason is that if you can command a retail level price for an independent game, given that for PlayStation, certainly in Europe and also in the US, that disc sales still outrank digital sales, why would you deprive both companies of that revenue stream? Why would you deprive both companies of the presence that that generates? Because, you know, having point of presence in a store is great for the digital version as well. You know, it just raises awareness all around. Yeah. And it it pushes the machinery of the company to market the game because you want to get behind it, you know, really, really show the world that this is an important event. And It's not going to happen very often, you know? It's not going to happen very often where a small developer gets to work with a platform vendor and achieves scale at such an astonishing level because it takes a very, very special game to be able to do that. Where did the idea for putting this game on disc originate? That's a good question. I think it was a few places. I think the conversations had been happening... Um, at senior levels for quite a while. Uh, I remember I had a conversation with somebody very senior. I'm I'm not going to embarrass him by naming him, but he was very senior, way, 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 way above my pay grade and somebody I respect immensely. And I remember he asked me, do you think that this game warrants a disc release? Um, And this is after a conversation where we were talking about price point. And I said, absolutely, um, and he said, do you think it will compare okay with other games? And I said, well, what's the difference? I, I wasn't quite so flippant, but my point, I think I tried to make a bit more elaborately, was that if it's commanding attention, if it looks great, if it's already achieved such accolades, if it's achieved the same, I guess, recognition as you would get from another game, honestly, what is the difference? It has the, the hallmarks it, of, it has a, everything. Of, a, of a disc release. You tell me what it doesn't have. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, he nodded sagely, as he does. And then, you know, at some point, a disc discussion came up. I know that the, um, the, the people in SCA were having a disc discussion as well, because, you know, their network in the US is formidable. If you can get disc success of any game in SCA's turf, then, you know, you're onto a, a home run. Do you have any idea for how Hello Games felt about this? I think they were very happy because it would. What it did was it put them on the same stage as everybody else. This is all they yeah. ever wanted. It was it was what they were originally coming to you to try and do, was to get that presence, to get that acceptance as a AAA game. Because at this point, I mean, I don't. I'm I'm sure that Sony and Microsoft and EA have a very defined definition of what AAA means. Um, But if we're looking at it from an industry observer's perspective, like, you know, that I look at, that game journalists operate in, that kind of stuff, the things that we read, No Man's Sky is a AAA game. Like, just from the, the pure optics of what has occurred here. It is a game that has been on stage at two E3s, it is a game that has a physical release, it has a steelbook release, it has a limited edition release. It was being marketed by Sony, you know, with, with mark- a marketing budget that Sony was providing. It is in stores, 
it had pre-orders it you know it was available everywhere the whole world was looking for it you know like it had day zero patches it looks and acts and smells like a triple a game so why is it not one i guess oh i completely agree with you i always have um for 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 me from the very beginning as soon as i saw the vgx video to me it was no different because it was it was also a sense at that time that they had achieved a level that no other developer was capable of at that time i think there are going to be many developers who are now going to be able to hit that mark what they've done is the equivalent of the four minute mile you know or the sub 10 second 100 meters if we're going to uh, bring in the the current affairs of the olympics to to draw an analogy what they've done is bro- broken out of that preconception that an independent developer can't create AAA. And, you know, this is not a brand new thing. This has happened before. In Back in the, the 80s and the 90s, we had cycles where suddenly a developer would be able to shoot way, way, way above what people would expect and and produce huge success. What's changed is that the media has changed, the video games industry has grown massively. And as a result, now when an independent developer like Hello Games does this, it really is an enormous story that that becomes currency everywhere. I mean, I don't know anyone who's not talking about No Man's Sky at the moment. Yeah. It's really weird. You know, for you have to understand for me, when when all this started, right? I was I was bunging a few K here, a few K there to really tiny developers doing really simple stuff for PlayStation Mobile. And before that, PS Minis, we're talking about, you know, 100 megabyte games on the PSP. You know, that was me, right? And now all of a sudden, I'm hearing people who don't really know much about video games, who don't who are not gamers, who would not self-describe as gamers, talking about No Man's Sky. I mean, it's for me, it is an absolutely wonderful turn of events. And it, it, for me, it's a vindication of that feeling that I had when I saw that first video. Oh, my God, they've got something here. So the development cycle was a little bit longer than anticipated. I believe there were a couple of delays <laughs> that occurred. <laughs> that was subtle. What was it like to be in the midst of dealing with everything that was going on there especially when at that point you're i guess kind of dealing with both sides you're kind of a little bit in the middle of all of it and there had been from yourself and from others convincing inside of sony that this was a game to throw all the weight behind um what was that process like it was really 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 difficult because it's not but it's not like no man's sky is the only game to ever be delayed like even uncharted missed its dates you know it happens all the time and maybe it's it another does. hallmark of the triple a of course the difference is if uncharted 4 slips you know that even if it's a year late it's still going to do gangbusters right because there was uncharted 1 2 and 3 this was an unknown quantity. And I assume the original release date was picked specifically for it to succeed. Of course. Yeah. You know, we we were never about, at PlayStation, we were never about forcing the developer to release at a given time frame. Never. It was always about pick the best time. But once you've communicated, let's try and stick to it. But, you know, game development. And also, when you're blazing a trail, 
that means there is no path for you to follow. Yeah. Right? So when you hit upon some kind of roadblock, it's going to be completely unknown territory for just about anyone who you would normally turn to for help. So we had to allow them that. And I think it was very important that we did that. But yeah, it was extremely difficult because my thinking at the at the very beginning of this was that if this comes out and does really well, I'm going to be really pleased. It was never a case of no matter what happens, no matter how many years this takes, um, we, we need to see this through. That feeling started to come, I think, around about E3 2014. It, you know, it started to build mm-hmm. because we thought it was going to be out sooner than it was. But hey, development, these things happen. It, I, I don't think it was a huge problem in the end. And as you, as you rightly say, other games are routinely delayed. It's just that in this case, because so much of this enormous organization with some of the heaviest hitters were getting behind the game in such a big way, they were asked, they were right to ask the question because here I am, right? I'm an upstart who's been, who's been lucky enough to be promoted a couple of times because he was lucky enough to get some success trying to convince the company that this is a game we really need to do. And then a few people have really got behind it in a big way. But then, you know, there are, there are doubts. You know, do we really want to be doing this in such a big way? Um, is it really going to be on time? Is it really going to be that good? And the truth is no one really knows. It's a video game. It's, you know, it's like any other software development. You think it's going to be amazing. But here's the thing. As, as long as I've been in the business, the way I thought about it was it is better to try and fail then to look at it and go, you know what, let's not even ship this. Because that would have been an utter disaster and we'd never have learned. And as it turns out, I think we hit all of our marks. Uh, obviously, the, the delay was not great. But everybody forgets about the delay when the game comes out and it's everything that people wanted it to be. You know, better late than shit. So you left PlayStation before No Man's Sky shipped, which, if it wasn't delayed, wouldn't have been the case. Right. How did it feel for you to not see the project through? The The project was going to be fine. Um, well, at least that's what I like to tell myself. There's some great people in the company working on the project, PlayStation's an enormous organization. Ben is wonderful. There's some great people in Europe, great people in Japan, great people in America who are going to be managing this project. It was being supported by the machinery of Worldwide Studios. It had support from executive management. It was going to be fine without me. You know, most of my work was done already. My work had been mostly in holding the relationship in the first place that allowed this deal to come to PlayStation and negotiating the deal on behalf of um, the the territories between PlayStation and between Hello Games so that it came to PlayStation before any other console. You know, that that for me was the important thing. And the other thing was advocacy, internal advocacy to make sure that it got the support that it needed. So getting that first deal over the line, that was crucially important to me. Obviously, I was never going to leave before that happened. And then most crucially was getting it that disc deal which was very complex um needed a lot of work and that was done uh before i left but you know ben was taking care of things and as i say 
it's not this game was about so many people it it really is almost impossible to be able to credit every single one of them but if you think about what's involved in launching any other playstation triple a game there was no less effort involved in launching no man's sky on a blu-ray disc across the world in in disc form i mean it's just a colossal effort and hats off to everyone at playstation for for i think you know what what looks like um a game that people are really enjoying i mean it's really in the public consciousness right now and that really excites me that that for me is what it was always about i never thought this was a core gamers game ever for me this is always about can we make the audience broader can we appeal to people who don't ordinarily play games can we have something that penetrates the public consciousness in a way that no other game does how many other games do you hear about that get attention from elon musk and steven spielberg and kanye west for crying out loud at one show i mean it's just just amazing what's happened with this you know getting talked about in the new yorker he's on on the colbert show and it's just colossal what's happened with this game and so i what i really hope for is that that happens again with another game by another independent developer that would be amazing what's next for no man's sky like what what do what do you know is coming if at all like what's updates. the plan and what what do you mean by updates so I think Sean has got a huge vision for this game. I remember when I was discussing this with him, we had a meeting very soon after he got his lawyer to call me outside that um, ping pong place at our office party. Uh, and we met up, I think, where was it? I can't remember exactly where, somewhere in South London. And we had a very, very long discussion um, about all of this. And what he talked about were was was a game that he wanted to be working on for a very, very long time. And so I, I see this as the beginning, and I see the scope of the game expanding significantly over the next year or two. And really, I'm extremely excited, not just about the game that it is now, because this is the game that I always wanted. I'm really excited about the game this could be in a year's time as well. And it's most likely, it was. Very, I guess it's it's more likely that this vision will be realised because the game has been such a success. Exactly. Spot on. You know, if it had been a colossal failure, um, may, maybe Sean would be licking his wounds. But I, yeah, I doubt that's going to happen. Uh, I'm very confident about this game. Um, I really do hope it achieves the mainstream success that it deserves. So I've only had the game for a few days um, and we really want to save our kind of full review of the game until the three of us can be together. So that is going to be coming in a couple of weeks time. But just in case people are wondering, I absolutely love No Man's Sky and it was the game that I always hoped it was going to be. It's the game that I was waiting for. So Shahid, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> On on behalf of my previous employers, who I'm not authorized to speak for, uh, but for anyone ever involved in making No Man's Sky possible, you are most, most welcome. I couldn't be happier myself. 